Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for another week edition again. And once again, we have Billy here. So, Billy, welcome aboard again, mate. Thanks, buddy. Good to be back. I think I needed a break. Yeah, so we've been on a hiatus for a couple of weeks with the rep round last week, which was, uh, I think, great for NRL players, also good for podcasters as well. Sometimes it's hard to find the time. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Rep Round was um, a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed some of the non-Origin games that we got to see. The Papua New Guinea game was, was actually really good. I really enjoyed that one. Did you manage to watch many of them? No, I didn't get to see any of them at all, mate. They were busy packing boxes for a house move. But, um, yeah, read, read a few reviews and good to see a few players in form ready, ready to uh, hopefully bring that back to NRL, mate. Yeah, well, SJ got uh, a hat-trick, so that's something that we hope to bring back to the NRL. But how about the Blues, mate? The other rep game of the weekend. Outstanding. Yeah, I live in Queensland, mate, so nice to go to work without my head between my tail. <laughs> well, there was a fair few guys that were on fire for that that I'm sure will come up during the podcast, but let's get stuck into it. We're um, coming up pretty close to round 16 now. Got the one round 15 matchups to go before we hit that round 16 number for the big buy and our last chance to probably rocket up the standings but mailbag like always back again Uh, we've got some really good questions and quite a few of them this week everyone's pretty keen and, and talking about round 16 quite a bit the first question billy is from mark king uh and he wants to know is angus a buy will he be a keeper so we've spoken about angus a little bit before uh, he's only 473k at the moment. He's got a 70 BE against the Storm, so you know probably even a 450k type of guy next week. He's had a very underwhelming season, 53 points a game this year, down from a consecutive season scoring 69 points a game. He's got um, five games since he actually had a score 60 plus, um, and only two scores that are you know, above 63. So he has not had a good season at all. But having said that, he is a gun of the past. He has been a gun the last couple of years before this. Do you see him, one, as a trade-in option, and two, as someone that you can trade in and potentially keep for the run home? Um, if you asked me about 20 minutes ago, I would have said no. Uh, I just went and had a quick look at the numbers because in the past I've had a habit of uh, jumping jumping to my own conclusions without checking the numbers. Uh, and the one thing I'll add there is he came off the bench the first couple of games for the season and was and wasn't playing a full game. But then, if you remember correctly, they had a really tough season to start with. So from round four, they had um, when he started playing full games, they had Broncos, then Sharks, then Storm, then Dragons. It wasn't till round eight that they had the Tigers, and the Tigers are good defensively, or, or they spread the points around the opposition. And then he had Raiders and Broncos and Knights. So then the buyer. So they've had a really tough run, mate. Um, no, he hasn't done really well the last sort of three games, but it was Panthers away, dogs at home, where you know, every man his dog scores, so it was probably less game tackling for him. They put 38 points on him, and he's back to the storm this week. So I was going to say no off the back of that, but kind of look at his run coming up, mate. He's got um, Tigers, then Cowboys, then Knights, then Dogs, then Titans. It's a really good draw, so I'm kind of inclined to say yes, purely for... Um, I think I think I think I think it'll open up a bit. 
Yeah, I tend to agree. One of the things that we've spoken about on the podcast a couple of times, and particularly re- leading up to round 16, is that the Roosters' second half draws a lot easier than their first half, So, which you touched on. And that's the reason why uh, I think that he's actually a pretty good trade-in and a good guy that you can keep there. His ownership's pretty down. Uh, he's very much a pod. Um, and to get a pod from someone who has scored close to 70 points a game the last couple of years is unusual. doesn't happen often. And with his draw, I think he's the right type of pod to gain ground because he's a guy that can hit some attack and score some tries. Uh, and I don't think he's going to burn you too bad, even though he's been underwhelming. Um, you know, he's still got a base of 45 points, so he's not going to give you a 10 or a 20 that a, a pod centre wing might give you. So I actually really like him. Um, I'm going to look at probably training him in next week myself. So, so yeah, I agree yeah. with you, mate. Yeah, you'd skip the Storm game this week. Um, I think you had like a 77 or 80 break-in or something. So you're not going to miss anything this week. But yeah, next week it's away against the Tigers. But um, then you've got two home games, Cowboys and Knights. And then it's away versus the Dogs. So there's four red-hot games you can play in before you decide to bench him or play him or bench him, whatever you want. Yeah, and I think as well that there's a lot of teams, and this, this is going to come up a lot, even though they've got five trades this week, there's a lot of teams with a lot of running repairs and there's a lot of teams that um, you know, are going to want to trade in a Trevojevic because they don't want to miss out on him or either way have to definitely downgrade one or if not two of those five trades. So I don't think that many teams would have planned to have get, gotten Crichton in and that means that teams that are maybe thinking about getting him in, even if he goes on a good run the next week or two, probably won't be able to because a lot of them are going to start running out of trades as well. Yeah, mate, agree with you. So next question from Dean Timms. Uh, his one is, with 13 trades remaining, would you buy round 16 players or get the jump on the run home? Dean's predominantly a head-to-head player, so I'd get the jump on, on whatever you want as long as you can cover the um, the, the buy round, mate. But for um, overall, I'd be absolutely using every single trade for um, a player the next round and forget about players like Gerbo until they come back. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree as well for the most part. Um, I think if you're overall, you've got to smash around 16. Now, I think that you can afford to probably, uh, you know, use one of your trades on someone else because they might be an exception and get you bulk points. And I'm talking about someone like Tom Trevojevic. Tom Trevojevic this week might, for instance, outscore in one game what RTS is going to do in the next two rounds. So something like that, I don't mind throwing in there if you're the rest of your guys are going to hammer round 16 players coming in. Yeah, similarly in that boat, um, SJ, like he's got a, uh, an opposite sort of break even of 130 or something, but plays in the right side off off uh, international form and versus the Bulldogs. So um, points more than money. So a bloke like that you could even bring in, um, hoping, hoping that he's going to be a pod this week, hoping, thinking that a lot of people might lay off him. Yeah, so we may as well hit up those questions as well. We had a whole heap of people ask um, about... Um, Turbo and even more so on SJ. So, I mean, Turbo's not going to play around um, 16, obviously, Billy. And he is very expensive at over 700k. But he's playing the Titans this week. Um, I've I've absolutely got no trouble trading him in this week um, in lieu of getting a 16 number because, like I just mentioned, I, I see him as potentially outscoring... Um, you know, an RTS in his one round for RTS's two games that you're going to get in that round 16. And that pretty much sets him for the run home as well. And having a look at it, he's not going to get much cheaper. And 
I've got to tell you, I just about had a heart attack watching Turbo rack up that 167 against St. George last game. I, I cannot watch it again versus the Titans. I've just got to get him in. Yeah, um, mate, to put it in perspective, um, I was sitting on, I think, about 14 for 700 last round into Turbo. I went from uh, 700 to 1186 with three players left and the captaincy on him. Mate, a bloke like that can absolutely crucify you. So, um, yeah, give it is a way, but given that the Titans are giving his break even, he's averaging 100. If he punches another ton, he's going to go up 50k. But you may as well just take the um, take the take the points that he could potentially get with a captaincy. Don't risk it. Even if he only chucks up a 55, don't worry about it. Everyone else will be captaining or having the vice on him anyway. So just roll just roll with the crowd on that one. Yeah, his B is in the 30s, and his four scores so far this year: are 167, 62, 58, and 152. He has just been on fire. And this is the perfect round to have this happen, I reckon, Billy, because you've got five trades, which is the easiest possible way to be able to get a 737k player into your side. If you can only make two trades, it becomes very difficult. So I actually think it's quite a good time to be getting him in myself. SJ, on the other hand, um, a lot of people have asked this with SJ. He's come up quite a bit in our mailbag. So... Sean Johnson's playing the Bulldogs this week, so obviously a very good game, but a lot of super coaches have been torn because he's got 125 BE. So it's a matter of whether you do wait until round 16 next week to get him in for that round and copper a 30 or 40K discount maybe, or do you get him in this week? And my answer's online, and I'm curious as to your advice on it, Billy has been at this point in the season, points are paramount. And I've said to so many people with so many different examples, I'm happy to pay for points at this point. I will pay money to get better points each round. Um, so for me, I'm going to pay for SJ this, this round because he's only 474k anyway. And for the 30 or 40k I'll lose in the potential saving, I, I'll probably get a good score this week from him, but I'm also potentially going to get a 100-plus score if he fires. Yeah, it's not like he's 750k with a 180 break even, and you're going to lose, you know, sort of 90, 100k, and then potentially another 90, 100k while while the score corrects himself. Um, he's sub 500k already, so even if he even if he doesn't hit 130, mate, if he still gets a 75, 80, 80 score and you lose 30k, so what? It's a decent score. Um, it, it is that pod factor too. Um, there's no point in buying a bum just because you want to wait wait a week and sort of save sort of thirty grand. Um, in saying that, uh, there is merit to holding off on him. But I went and had a look at all the data for all five eights and all number all halfback scores versus the Bulldogs um, this year, and the results were um, uh, pretty obvious. I think the top halves in the competition, like um, yeah. Your, your Munster, your Ben Hunt, pretty much every, every half that, that half that's worth his worth his weight and money uh, over six hundred k, pretty much scored between seventy five and and, and one hundred and thirty. So you know, you know he's going to score something. I mean, for for Christ's sake, Ben Ben Hunt scored one hundred and thirty and another another ton off him. So mate, if, if SJ is in form and play, and, and you've got guys like um, Cherry and um, the Cora on that right on that right hand side. You may as well go all in and just get the bike that's going to be feeding, feeding it to him. I'm pretty big on getting him in. He's only 8% owned at the moment. And like you said, he's, he's not particularly expensive. The Sharks we've spoken about in our Round 16 special for the buy planning have a whole heap of games, five out of seven or something on the run home or at Shark Park. So 
I'm fine to get him in. There's a couple of specific questions, Billy, with SJ. One of them is from Robert Pauly, who's a long-time listener of ours, and he's asked, you you know, would you play Cust against the Titans um, or would you trade out Cust now to get SJ in? What do you reckon about that one? I would play Cust versus the Titans uh, before getting him in, but I'm going to double whammy. I'm trading at Cleary for SJ and I'm playing both of them because I don't want to risk one of them going big and me picking the wrong one. It's probably... (laughs) Uh, 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 all in move with only sort of pocket jacks but because if one of them fails you're up shit creek but um, I'm up shit creek already so may as well uh, um, yeah. mate just, just back yourself whatever you think is going to happen just just do it um, a bloke like Cast has been scoring a try every week and having a try assist but in saying that he's been on sort of 20 points with 5 minutes to go and racking them up so either way he's racking them up so with, with, with Turbo back I'm just backing that left side to destroy the Titans and um, I've got so many, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, sharks in my side with uh, Cherry Nakora, including sort of Moreland at the back that I'm going all in on the sharks too. So, yeah, I'm doubling down there, but um, either one of those are good options. Yep, and a lot of teams are obviously pretty stuck at the moment because Nathan Cleary is out to at least round 18 at the moment. Um, a lot of people uh, in a boat where they only had one halfback to play. I am one of those people. I have Cleary and Dylan Brown. Um, so there's quite a few people that are trading out Nathan Cleary and I've kind of disagreed with it a little bit interested in your thoughts on it Um, people are going Nathan Cleary to SJ for instance and I've given the the same advice to two different people today that they had Cleary and Brown and I actually said find the money with your five trades to go Brown to SJ I think that's a far better option even though Dylan Brown's coming back this week same thing we spoke about about paying for points he might make 20 or 30k this week if you're lucky Dylan Brown but an SJ and uh, Cleary combo is a run-home combo, and you're only going to actually miss two games from Cleary. So I, I'm keen to sort of do that and keep Cleary if you can. Do you think that there's merit in looking at it that way, or or you reckon you just net Cleary and you just get SJ in for him? Um, if you're overall, I don't. I wouldn't go that route at all. I wouldn't. I absolutely would not want to take Brown's score this week and have a, a enough next week. Um, I would I would much rather take uh, potentially SJ's score versus the Bulldogs and SJ next week, and then worry about worry about what my um, problem is later on. E- even if SJ came up against the Storm, I wouldn't worry about it because I'd, I'd already be um, uh, a, a couple of games worth of points ahead already. That would that would be for head to head and overall. Uh, so Ben Reeves asks, "Is Mitchell Pierce a sell now?" So it's been pretty disappointing. Um, I really liked him for round 16. I was always going to wait until the last minute to probably get him in. He's he's looking likely to, well, a good chance to play Origin anyway. Um, but he's 582k with 165 BE. So it's a bit of a tough one, really. He's had two poor weeks of 11 and 30 points after killing it for the better part of two months. I am pretty stumped here. Um, it's It really depends on who you're going to send him to. I do think, probably from my perspective, it's you either sell him now or you hold him for the run home. There's not very many halfbacks that are averaging um, keeper-type points. Um, there's pretty much only Mitchell Moses in the 60s, and then you've got guys like Cleary, DCE, uh, Pierce, and, and then SJ, um, potentially, if he comes back to form. So I would either hold him the whole way if you're not going to sell him this week, or sell him this week and just don't look back, I reckon. I would hold him 100%. Uh, and the reason is... His first five games this year was where he was playing like absolute dog shit. It was versus the Sharks, Panthers, Canberra, St. George, and Manly. 
and um, really teams that have been going really well defensively to start the year. When he when he went on that tear where he scored all green scores, 60, 75, 103, 76, 111, 89, that was, that was versus the soft run. Gold Coast, Parramatta, Warriors, Dogs, Dragons, and then... Um, uh, who was it? Sydney, uh, probably Roosters. So did, did well versus the Roosters. Then all of a sudden, the tough games come back again. Souths and Melbourne, and he scores thirty and eleven. So moral of that story is, mate, he's been scoring as he should versus weaker teams. The strong teams has been dog shit. If you go and look at his draw coming up now, he has three home games versus um, Broncos, who've been ordinary with their dollar sixty-five favourites. He's in at home versus the Warriors, then he's home versus the Dogs. I would absolutely keep him and play the shit out of him. And then once you get the other side of Origin, then just punt him. He's got the Roosters in round 18, but then he's also got the Tigers back at home. So it's actually four out of the next five he's got at home, and all of them bar the Roosters are against very favourable opposition. So his draw is quite good. You'd have to hope that he doesn't play round six, that he does play round 16 and he's not in the Origin team. At the moment, that looks like pretty much a 50 50 proposition. Yeah, the uh, yeah the question was, would, would you keep him more selling? If I owned, if I owned him, I would not be selling him. But because of that risk, we didn't play an origin, I wouldn't buy him. Yep, fair answer. Uh, next question, mate. This one's from Rick Pacey, another long-time listener. Um, he said, um, Cameron Smith, Madison, Latrell, and SJ. He can only pick two of them. Which two would you pick? That's the first part of the question. So for me, uh, I'm actually going to say I'm going to leave Latrell out of the three and then it's a bit of a toss-up with the rest, but I'm definitely getting SJ, and then it's a matter of whether you want to go Madison or Cam Smith, and I'm probably going to go Cam Smith because I think Madison's a good chance of ending up going into the round 16 team um, as a bench utility if Wade Graham gets the 5-8 spot. So probably SJ and Cam Smith for me, mate. What about you? Yeah, similar line of thought, mate. Put a pencil through the um, the PR, the bloke with no heart. Sorry, Latrell, he's out. Or oh, sorry for long-time listeners, lateral. Um, for... <laughs> As for the other three, I'm, I'm buying Smith this week and trading Cook for him, but I would not pick him out of those three just to play this week purely because I think um, Madison's got a point to prove. Apparently, at training, he's, got, he's, like, he's, he's, he's looking like a mongrel dog. He's like just an attacking machine. He's playing the Souths with half their team on a, on a four-day turnaround from Origin. Um, so I would I would back him this week, and I would also back. Um, uh, SJ versus the Dogs. Yep. Um, assuming it's for the run home as well, if you were to get Smith in, uh, would he be a guy that you play every week? Was it the last part of the question? For no. me, I wouldn't be no. playing him every week. No, no way. Um, I'm, I'm trading Cook for him and I'm going to play him for the next three weeks, but then I'll be using the um, um, my, the cash I got in the bank to upgrade Farah back to um, back to Cook in a few weeks, and Smith will just sit there on the pine as a, as an emergency in case Cook is uh, injured, but he won't be getting a run for the rest of the season. Yeah, I I had a look at it actually. I looked at Cam um, Smith's last eight games of the season, and I came to the conclusion that I would play him for four out of those eight games as a reserve, and obviously Cook for every game. So I think that you'll be playing him. In my opinion, I think you're playing for about half of the games that are left if you're going to keep him for the run home. And that's perfectly yeah. fine as a backup hooker as well. Yeah, probably the easier teams at home. Sorry, I haven't actually looked at the draw. I was just being a smart-ass in when I said I wouldn't play him <laughs> again. I'd probably play him versus you know, Titans and Warriors at home, but I wouldn't play him away games. Or um, You'd probably play, you know, yeah. Yeah, you get everyone's going to have turbo at fullback, so you'd play Tedesco as one person, and you know, um, 
Uh, your second row is obviously valuable too. So you, 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 in your front row, you might have your know, Payne Haas on the bench. He might be one year play off of Peter. So yeah, you pick and choose your battles. So next question from Warren Grady. Is there any serious cheapies on the horizon or should we just be planning for the run home? I, I'm not even looking at cheapies, Billy, because to me, everyone's just about made their money at the moment. Um, I'm just I'm only looking for the run home. What about you? Yeah, not looking for any cheapies at the moment. Um, the um, the spots are still uh, extremely valuable now with um, uh, keepers that you don't want to get rid of, but with the the bums that you do want to get rid of, you don't want to get rid of them for other bums. You want to get rid of them for you know staple guys who can be uh, backups or decent scorers for the next buy round. So I think uh, there'll be very few people uh, cashing out at the moment, and if they do, it would only be to maybe one bloke like. Uh, who's the standard, but Kerr or Host or someone like that who can give you, you know, 45, 50 points for one game and then never be seen again or go to the bench where there's still point-per-minute weapons, so they're not going to punch out a 20 for you. Yeah, Kerr's the one that looks like the go at the moment as a dual front-row forward, second-row forward, and he's played a couple of games for the Dragons, uh, assuming you've got, you know, Tarek, Frizzell and Vaughan all out of that pack. He probably comes in and gets a run for round 16 and then... Barring any injury, you probably don't see him in the 17 again. Um, his base price at 168k, he looks like the best NPR to get in in a downgrade. I mentioned um, him and also uh, the Roosters' young young gun Curran um, a couple of weeks ago on the buy special. Curran's since signed with the Warriors. Um, there's no confirmation he's going to get over there before June 30. And with him going over there, there's also no... Um, confirmation now that the Roosters will definitely play him for round 16, so Kerr looks like the go in that respect. Moving on, Joey Manu, mate. A lot of people have been asking about Joey Manu, and a lot of people have mentioned that they're not sure whether he's a real option or whether he might be a trap. Now, he's probably going to get the fullback gig again in round 16, which is very favourable. The last game that he played, he scored 136 points because he got that fullback gig, and he absolutely looked on fire. A few caveats I'll throw out there and then you can give me your two cents. It was against the Bulldogs. The Roosters towed him up um, and they were motivated to uh, coming off three losses as well. He's not going to play fullback every week. We might be lucky to get him at round 16, but the rest of the year he is going to play uh, in the centres. And in the centres, he's only got one game, um, sorry, two games over 50 points, one 52-point score and one 92-point score. All the rest are 40s, 30s, and 20s, and it's not very good reading when you go down those scores. I don't think he's a trap because he's got a minus 32 BE at 366K. He's a downgrade option that's going to make you money. You're probably going to get 100K, and you're probably going to get a really good score in round 16. So I don't think he's a trap if you're looking at it the right way. If you're looking at him as a guy that you can keep in your center wing and, and you're going to be able to play a lot and rotate in and not be disappointed with, then I think he becomes a trap because he's just probably not going to be that guy that we saw against Canterbury very often at all, if ever again, for the rest of the year. Yeah, mate, you hit the nail on the head, uh, exactly. Um, the only thing I'll add there is um, forget about averages because you're not going to play him ever again. You're only going to play him for one, for one game and one game early, and that's if he goes to fullback. Actually, you're not, you're not going to have a choice. You're going to have to play him around in the next buy round anyway if you own him. But you, you only want him for that game at fullback. And like you said, it was an inflated game versus the Bulldogs. You could say, look, you're going to make 100 grand off him. Yeah, but that's, that's two trades because you're going to have to buy him this week, um, get him in, hopefully play him at fullback, and then trade him out again before he loses that cash. And by the way, there's no guarantee he's going to score 168 points. So if you go back in 
have a look at every single fullback score versus the Tigers this year, even the great ones um, like your RTS and your um, and your Tedesco. I think the highest score was 80, 80, 80 odds. So, um, and I wouldn't even ba- I wouldn't even bank on that. Some of the great fullbacks uh, only scored thirties and forties. So, um, like you, mate, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go and spend three hundred three hundred and fifty odd k whatever it is for a guy for one score. I, I think I'd much rather take enough and use that coin elsewhere to pump up the forwards. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm going to throw in one little caveat, though. Um, if you don't have very many trades and you need to make a downgrade, um, you know, I, even I've considered get, just going Joey Manu and hoping for the best. Um, the only reason I say it is because he does have a very, very favourable draw going home, like we spoke about with the Roosters. So he plays a lot of non-top eight teams in the run home from round 16 onwards. Um, after the Tigers, he's got the Cows. Newcastle Bulldogs, Gold Coast, harder game against Canberra, then Warriors, Dragons, Penrith, and then harder game against South. You, you could do worse than have him there, um, but I think that you just have to prepare yourself. Like I've said so many times, Supercoach is all about expectations. You can take the punt and get him in. He's a good. If you really need a downgrade, I'd rather downgrade to him than a guy that's going to end up on the bench or something later on for 300k, but if you're going to do it, you have to be prepared that he's going to give you a lot of 25s as an AE, potentially when you're going to want a loop or something, um, or maybe when you try and throw him in for one of those good matchups, like the Bulldogs next time, he scores you a 35 from centre because it's what he does. Maybe he steps yeah. up, though, and maybe you can hit some gold. You know, it's it's a real lottery. Yeah, but let's face it. Uh, you get, every man his dog's going to be playing, what, Nakora and Mao and Bateman as three to seven three quarters, or at least two of those, for those that don't know Mao. And... If you're going to pick and choose guys, um, the, the only games you would, you would actually pick to play Manu, you, you'd pick Latrell over him anyway. The goalkeeping guy with, with history of scoring 130. Exactly what you're saying, but I would actually pick Latrell for those games. So you probably never would play him ever again, even for that run. Yeah, I mean, it would just it would just depend on the rest of your centre wing makeup, I guess. But he's got a 28. He's got a 28 point base. It's just and you know, aside from his fullback game. If you just look at his centre games, he scored one try all year, and he's only been out one game. So you know, in eleven games at centre, he's got one try to his name, um, and yeah. hardly anything else attack-wise. So he's just not getting it done in that respect. So yeah. it would be a bit of a punt. Big price tags, yeah. Any sort of real sort of interest there? You're probably better off going like a Nofo or a Momalo and having one of those guys jag a try. Yeah, it's really about the price tag. If you have to downgrade, um, then you know he's 150k less than what a Mamolo is, and so forth. So if you can't afford it, you know you could just go and, and play your luck, but you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, next question is from Jimmy C. He wants to know: Is Manu Ma- Mau a keeper? Um, now in centre wing, Billy, that's probably a no-brainer, and I know that you love him. I'm saying Utah. Yep, um, pretty easy one there. He's he's probably just got the one game in the last you know five games that's been below average and that was still a 45 since he's gone back to sort of those big big minute games so he's definitely a keeper for center wing um yeah the, let me just pull numbers real quick uh he's averaging 60 this year and that's off only 61 minutes so there were a couple of games in the beginning where he played 42 46 minutes the last five games he scored 69 60 64 45 and 65, so an average of uh, 60 or 69 minutes, and he's gone back to 80 minutes, so you're going to get an extra 10 minutes on top of that. And I don't think any of that really included any, but all base. 
So yeah, there his you go. base has been really good. Um, he's he's got forty eight on the year, but that's inflated again when you look at the last five games performance wise. He's in the fifties in base, so really good for a centre wing option. Um, Billy, for you, who's a bigger priority, Latrell or Madison? And this question's from Maxi Evos. Madison by a mile um, because he's playing. Like I said before, South this week on at home on a small turnaround. I think he's um, going to be very, very dangerous there with some tired forwards. I also think with, with Latrell, he's playing number one. He's playing the Storm, Storm this week, so that's that's a no-go zone. He, his break-even's around 80, so you can afford to wait. And you also don't know where, he's, where his head is at. He, he could still... His head could still be up his ass, so he might throw 20 points out there with with a, with a no-show um, heart-wise on the field. And him, him like uh, Madison, might also be selected for Origin 3. Um, we've, obviously, yeah, we've obviously got a half problem at the moment, so um, there there is a small chance that, what's his name, um, Fitler might chuck um, to Whiten back to 5 8 and bring in the trail, so... That there is that, that that option too, so I think the safer option and the more aggressive option is uh, Madison. Yeah, I, I think both of them have probably got um, equal opportunity to get back into that side. I don't think either of them are high chances, but both of them are definite chances. So I mean, it, I, I'd probably wait on both of them until next week if you could, just to get a bit of extra mail and um, know whether they're potentially going to be playing Origin or not. I think that's a safe route. Yeah, I'm going Madison this week because I want his potential points versus South. But yeah, I'm, I'm waiting on Latrell just to, just in case there's that origin that origin call up. I think he's I think he's uh, more likely. Uh, a, I think he's more likely of a call up, even though I think Madison's probably more in the frame headspace wise. But I just think there's more, more a better chance of a centre recorder getting in. And I don't like the Storm game, so yeah, I'll hold off on on on, on him first. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'll be slightly controversial here, even as a Roosters fan and even as a fan of Latrell Mitchell. Um, if the Roosters didn't have as favourable draw on the run home as what they do, and it was a tougher draw, I'd be quite concerned about Latrell Mitchell um, from a Supercoach perspective. There's a lot of red flags there for me. He's um, A lot of people expect him just to come out and really, you know, uh, show Brad Fittler and the Blues why he should have been in that origin side, assuming he's not selected. Um, but the opposite can also easily happen, especially from a young kid who's still uh, getting the mental, mental capacity at the NRL level. And I, actually, I said it two months ago, but way before Origin, Latrell's biggest issue is he still hasn't got to the point where mentally he's in at an NRL level, where he's locked in every game. And I've said that about his work rate forever and a day. It's not that he's really, really lazy. It's that mentally he doesn't concentrate or focus enough on a football field yet. And that'll come with age. But at the moment he doesn't. So he could easily go the other way for me. I could see him struggling for form for the next month of football and being a bit scarred or annoyed or or whatever from what happened with Origin. Now maybe I hope that he goes the other way, but it wouldn't surprise me because he just seems pretty preoccupied with a lot of stuff going on. A lot of it's not his fault either, but it's there. And I would be a bit worried if he had a harder draw. Because his draw is so easy, he can probably get away with making six runs a game, not doing very much, and he's probably still going to put points on you know, the Cowboys and the Dogs and whatever, but his ownership's going to be 40-plus percent by the time we get to round 16, so you know, he's going to be heavily, heavily owned as well, so it's not going to be pod points either. Yeah. Hey, did he actually make any comments around not caring whether he makes it for Origin 3, or is that just a whole bunch of bullshit going around? I saw a couple of comments on... A couple of uh, addicts threads here and there. 
No, I think that that was a lot of rubbish, mate. I think, uh, you know, some of it might have been taken out of context and, and put in a different way, but I, I'm sure yeah, that he probably. cares about it, so I wouldn't worry about that. I think it's more that he's just focusing on the Roosters now, and that's his focus, and that's what it should be probably as well. Um, but, yeah, Madison, I think, is a safer option right now if you're looking at this week. I uh, agree with you there, Billy. Um, Dean Annitz has asked, what do you think of Moses for the run home? Now, this is a really interesting one, Billy, because I mentioned earlier in the pod there's no halfbacks that are actually putting up keeper scores aside from Mitchell Moses. Um, he's the only guy in the 60s at a 62 average for this year so far. Um, and Oh, sorry, he's at 65, it looks like, for this year. Even. Um, but the other guys are all like late 50s. The guys like Cleary and, and so forth have been late 50s. Mitchell Pierce, as good as he's been, has been a 57 score. Mitchell Moses is 584k. Um, he is going to be a pod for the run home. He hasn't been going well the last few weeks. He's got a 65, 80, and a 110 in his last three rounds. But he's an ultimate roller coaster. Um, you know, he's, um, he's, he's two high scores this year, to give you an idea. His second high score was 112 points. He bookmarked that with 28 points before and then 37 points after it. His next biggest score was um, 133 points, which is his top one for the year. And he bookmarked that with 37 and 27 on either side of that score. Uh, you know, he's he's the ultimate roller coaster. He's basically what SJ was three years ago, um, and it's for that reason that I'm not a fan of paying 584k and, and sort of riding him because I don't think that I can pick even when he's going to put up those scores. He put up 110 against South, for instance, and 112 versus Cronulla. I probably wouldn't have played him either of those games. I probably would have played him against the Cows where he only put up 46 points. So for me, I just couldn't do it for the run home, but I can certainly see the merit in it. Oh, he's certainly a pod, mate, um, that's for sure. I couldn't do it exactly for the reason you said. Um, he's put up those scores against teams that he probably shouldn't have and the ones where he should have, he doesn't. So he's just too hard to pick. I'm just going to completely uh, ignore him, especially given the, the options available now. Um, I think there's... A ton better options at uh, five eighths with all your sort of um, your pong, pongers and even even your pongers, your walkers, your monsters, like whoever your flavour of choice is. But um, at seven, I think you could you could safely just play um, an alternate drop of um, SJ or Kiri from Kiri from run home and forget about it like and forget about a bloke like Moses, mate. Yeah, and I think the, the important thing for people to remember as well is that at the moment, SJ's a pod. He's 8% owned. Now, even if he goes up a fair bit, he's still going to be reasonably low owned. And he's a guy that next week is potentially going to be 150000 less than what Mitchell Moses will be. So I like him a lot better. Um, and he, at the moment, as it stands, he is a pod as well. So, mate, this next one sounds a bit crazy from Andrew Hardwick, but I've actually thought about exactly the same thing. So <laughs> can't be that bad. Um, he's asked thoughts on trading Teddy to Turbo and then RTS post-buy to Teddy again or even just keeping RTS. Now, keeping RTS, I think, is out of the question. You have to have um, the Teddy-Turbo combo. Teddy's going to be too good to leave out. But it's an interesting thought, Billy, on playing the old uh, you know, trade roulette and um, getting guys in and then swapping them back three or, three or four weeks later. I actually looked at it with Teddy because... Teddy has uh, the Storm this week, which you mentioned, um, backing up 48 hours after Origin, and he has a 97 BE, and then he's not going to play around 16 anyway. Um, so the next couple of weeks, you can pretty much write off. He's potentially going to be quite a bit cheaper as well in three weeks' time. Um, so going you know, back to Teddy from an RTS who's going to play around 16 and maybe put up some good scores for three weeks, 
It doesn't look like the worst option, but geez, you'd want to have enough trades to do it. <laughs> yeah, I um, I originally did it um, uh, about a week ago, but I just after his after his game at Origin, I just figured, you know what? Even though it's Storm this week, the fact that he's got half decent rests, um, I think he probably just rides the momentum. So, do I want to make two trades out um, to trade him to RTS and then, and then back after a couple of weeks? Um, I opted not to do that, but. If it's for a bloke like Trebojevic, um yeah, I would do it. I'd, I'd, I'd trade Teddy for for Turbo, and then and then trade RTS back to Teddy in a couple of weeks. Um, it, everyone's got trades up their sleeves, uh, uh, even if it's only sort of you know 11, 11 12 trades you got left. I think there's one there's one person you can probably afford to burn and bring back. Yeah, uh, if it's not Cook, it, it would be Teddy, especially if you don't own Turbo. Yeah, if it wasn't turbo, I wouldn't want to do it. Um, but just because purely because you're going to get turbo in and potentially get those um, Titans points that could be huge. When you don't have five trades at your disposal, in a couple of weeks when turbo's you know pushing 800k, it's going to be next to impossible to get him in with two trades for a lot of teams. So you just don't want to miss out on that. Um, I think it's fine. Um, certainly be prepared to be getting him back in. He plays the Cowboys in round 17. Um, that's potentially a great game for Tedesco. You could be prepared to miss that one and then look at a round 19 trading, but you have to get him in for that. So round 19 and 20, Teddy hits the Bulldogs, the Titans. So I would want to be playing Teddy 100% for those, but that does give Teddy you know, a month to drop in price potentially um, and also a month for RTS to hopefully earn some extra cash. So I reckon that's a decent strategic option. Yeah, uh, um, I haven't checked whether Teddy actually has a smaller turnaround for Origin 3-2. They play the sixth game on the, uh, on the first one of the Sunday, so third last game of the round. He's going to be fine for that if you look at the yeah, turnaround, so, but Robbo still yeah. might rest him. You don't, just don't know. Yeah, true. I, I'd be more concerned with South players being being rested than Wayne doing his rotation, but yeah... Um, you're going to miss at least two games, two two games from Ted, maybe maybe three. So, future of Voyage, I reckon that would be worth it. Yep, yeah. For Turbo, it would be. For others, I'd say don't do it. Um, now, next question, Billy um, James Shuttleworth asks: Genuine centre wing keepers post round sixteen. So, for the run home, who are the genuine centre wing keepers? This is a bloody hard one because I tell you what, centre wing has been up and down as much as it ever has been. It is the ultimate yo-yo position in Super Coach. Um, Bateman comes to mind immediately, um, and Manu Ma'u comes to mind as well. Those two forwards in there, uh, probably near the top of the list as far as centre wing keepers go. I reckon there's another 10 or 12 others, Billy, that you could easily throw in the mix and it would be fine, but it's a real toss-up after that for me. Are you just chucking a core in as three and then you rotate your fourth one? It's always going to be between uh, Latrell and uh, Gutherson or whoever else you sort of held between now and then, and then your, 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 fifth, your, fifth, six and seven, your fifth and sixth options will be your, um, you know, your, your more mallow and, and then your nuff, and uh, if you wanted to go a pod route like a nofo, or there's no, there's no reason why, um, what do you call it, Dean Pay turns around and, and starts playing CHN, CHN again for another 80 minutes, and all of a sudden you can you can fit him back in at sort of, you know, 450k for an 80 minute second row at seven three quarters. So um, a bloke like him might even become a pot option again again in three weeks. Who knows? Yeah, I'm actually a little bit down on Nakora as far as putting him in there with the with the definite um, 
centre wing keepers, only because he really hasn't been going that well. I mean, you know, he's got a 54, 41, 63, 51, 51 on across his last five, averaging 50s um, for that. It's not terrible, but it just doesn't seem to be in the Nakora that we saw before. If SJ and him hit that combo again and that starts to fire, um, then I'll change my mind on him. But at the moment, I'm, I'm not as sure um, on him, and particularly with Wade Graham being back um, and a lot of the emphasis probably going to him as the other second row. Um, I'm not 100% sure that we're going to get the Nakora points that we got for the first sort of third of the season. Yeah, that's all based though, but um, and it, that was uh, without SJ too. SJ was the one that was uh, uh, giving balls um, on, on his hip, so he had three tries and was going to try assist while SJ was there. So I think those scores have... That, that, that drop in 10, 15 points per game has coincided exactly with uh, SJ going missing. So uh, I, I reckon we find that goes back up again. Yeah, I, I still think he's a good option. Um, there's three forwards there that we've spoken about. I tend to agree with you, though, Billy, that um, there's a whole heap of guys that you can go. And you, you mentioned rotating guys in like Mamola and whatever. It's a real hard question because as far as genuine centre wings go, if you're saying guys that are 100% going to be keepers the rest of the way, I think that you can count them on one hand who those are, and they're mainly going to be the Fords that we mentioned um, because any of the rest of the guys, like Mamolo could go on the rest of the season and average 65 points, or he could average 45, um, and that's the same with all these guys. So I don't think that any of them are a black and white answer. Um, there's plenty of guys like Ursan Masters who have been good in the past that have dropped off. Maybe he comes good. Um, there's guys that are just completely draw-reliant, like a Daniel Tupo or something as a complete pot option, you know, and then there's guys like Gutho that was killing it for the first half of the year. I don't I don't think that you can have a wrong answer um, after those top three or four guys, like the Fords that we mentioned. I think that you just have to have at least six options in your centre wing with all of those sort of guys in there, and then you rotate in with the non-Fords like you mentioned. Yeah, and remember too, um, the further you get towards the end of the season, the more irrelevant... Uh, average, average players' averages become because when it's a small sample, when it's a small, when it's a small number of games, the, uh, the sample, so, the sample size is diluted. So, um, a bloke like you know Bateman and Decorum might average you know sort of sixty-five or seventy over the first half of the season, but any Tom, Dick, and Harry can average eighty over two or three games. So you just if, if you've got sort of six or seven guys that you can play, just. <laughs> Even if they're only sort of two hundred fifty k, three hundred fifty k bums, just you 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 want to just play a whole bunch of clubs who are playing on the right side versus the dogs. Just pick and choose your games, and that that will more likely outscore you. Know, yeah, you know, most most of the seventh three quarters, like like the core is just scoring fifty points in base anyway. So, yeah, pick and choose your battles. Yeah, definitely. There's so many options, and Latrell's obviously one we spoke about earlier as well, um, and he he is a genuine keeper option for the run home um, as well. Last question, Billy, and this one was asked during our hiatus on Twitter. Um, so last week, someone brought up, you know, um, we've spoken about playing purely head-to-head players and, and also overall players only. Uh, and someone on Twitter asked, you know, what's the difference between a head-to-head player versus an overall player in Supercoach? About 200 hours of research, a lot of drinking, <laughs> and personal issues, <laughs> and, mar- and marriage problems. Um <laughs> That's with both of them, no. though, isn't it? That's not mutually exclusive. No, no I'm only kidding. No, the, uh, honestly, the difference between head-to-head and overall is um, uh, overall, you, I think it's kind of obvious you're, try, you're trying to maximise your score for the whole season. So between rounds 1 and 12, for instance, and around 6 or 7, 
an overall player like you know you and me might have um, you know uh, we, we might have started the season with two or three players which we know are going to play round four, not because we wanted them, but because we kind of figured we're going to need you know guys like that to minimise trade, so we have a set of seventeen for that first round, and when. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry head to head is going. You know what, Latrell Mitchell, I'm going to, I'm going to get him in, and Jerbo, I'm going to get him in. A an overall person will probably go. You know what, I'm not going to do that because they're not going to play round twelve, and I'm going to be short another. I'm going to go and look for someone who who's have a low break in, which is going to score me 60, 65 points. So you'll end up having a completely different team, which is focused on having uh, a full set of numbers, a full set of strong numbers every single round. And a head-to-head person will just pick and choose, you know, top players that that bottom that bottom out, or, or have good matchups whenever they can, purely for the uh, purely for the joy of beating beating their opponent that week. So, but you know what? There's plenty of head-to-head players who are being overall players because you just end up getting the right players at the right time who score a fortune. But um, yeah, the moral of the story is uh, one wants to win. Uh, every week, and the other one just wants to be the uh, the tortoise that beats the hare overall. Yeah, exactly. I think the the two biggest things for me are one, the buys. Um, you, you're not going to care about the buys at all if you're purely head to head. Two, your um, your your squad depth is going to be pretty minimal. You'll see a lot of head to head players that'll have you know five nuffs from round one because um, they're just you know putting a strong seventeen in the park straight away, um, and they're not really playing the long game at all. But probably the best example I can give was for me, mate, and I, I'm someone who fluctuates between overall and head-to-head. Uh, you know, round 10, I went I went hard head-to-head because I started to pay more attention to it. I've got, you know, uh, 10 head-to-head comps or something, uh, and a couple of them are a $200 buy-in ones and stuff. And, you know, round 10, I was chasing, and I ended up changing my captaincy to Cody Walker. And that was because I was purely chasing. If I was overall... I would have left it on someone like Cook, um, who ended up scoring 125 points that, that game. Um, I would not have even looked at, at changing it. But because I was down yeah. in three of my matchups, and there were three important matchups in big money leagues, I went, I went to Cody Walker just to try and win those matchups. Cody scored 20 points and doubled. That was 40 points for me. So it completely killed me for overall, and I dropped like 5,000 spots. But I didn't care about that. I was just caring about um, my head-to-head matchups. And that's probably the best actual example that I could give on the difference. You're, you're going to make changes with your captaincies and your vice captaincies and, and who you play as well. You know, that same week I ended up putting um, Kikau in that I wasn't going to play just because I needed that player to chase points because my opponent had me matched on same players and I needed some um, different players as pointed different scorers to try and catch up. So that's probably the biggest thing for me when I'm in head-to-head mindset. I'm making those changes that are really detrimental sometimes to my overall scores. Yeah, exactly. I think honestly, this is very generic, and this is not uh, not the case for um, every single player. But I think a head-to-head player might score. You know, will we'll range between the nine hundred to about let's, let's say nine hundred points, and you know, sort of fifteen hundred points. Where as an overall player, will average between you know, sort of eleven hundred points and uh, fourteen hundred points. But they'll they will consistently get eleven hundred to twelve hundred points every week because they're looking for a high high they're looking for a high base, very consistent uh, players with a lot of depth. They won't have that one round where they score fourteen hundred and the next week have four players. They'll have seventeen every single goddamn round. 
Yeah, for until sure. The super, until the super coach gods come in and fuck everything up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the other one that I've done before too is that I've, I've, I've played like two, maybe even three plebs, absolute plebs, just to guarantee a matchup, and particularly in semi-final time when you have to win or you're dead in a in a two hundred dollar cash league. You know, you might end up putting in two guys that are terrible compared to the rest of your squad, and that you know are probably only going to give you twenty points each. I've done that before. A couple of years ago, I can't remember the players, but I did it leading up to the finals because I wanted to make sure I was in the eight where I had two unique guys to the other guy's two unique guys, but I owned his two guys that he was playing. And right before kickoff, I put his two players that he was playing into my side in exchange for my guys that were playing later. And that guaranteed me the win because I was already you know, 35 points or whatever ahead. And that guaranteed me the win, but it also cost me 100 points because the other two guys were guns that I benched, but I just didn't want to take that risk because I didn't need to. You can always get, you know, a Tal Malolo, as good as he is, can always get outscored by a Corey Allen. If Tal Malolo gets a HIA in the second or third minute, you're not going to risk that when you're going for a $200 head-to-head finals. So, uh, you know, that's the other opposite side of it as well um, with changing your lineups and stuff. Yeah, you're just playing for a win. That's it. It doesn't matter what you score. Um, so let's move on to team talk, mate. All right, so the Thursday night game, we've got the Tigers versus Rabbitohs at Bankwest Stadium. Um, now, Moses Embiers um, included as far as the Tigers' origin players go, but that's pretty easy for him. Um, Embi, Masters, Marshall, Nofaluma, Farah, Chikem, Alawai, they all played um, in the rep games, but they're all going to be playing. Probably the main super coach news there is uh, Alawai is actually starting at the front row forward spot, um, and he's probably going to keep that job in the near future, it looks like. Uh, for the Rabbitohs, some big news. Adam Reynolds comes back, which is massive for them. And Braden Burns, the long-awaited return of your preseason pod, Billy, he's back as well. And Cook was named, as was Murray and Gay Guy from the Origin game. So quite a, quite a lot of changes there. Um, I think everybody was hoping that Damien Cook was going to be named to play, but it's it's a little bit hard to tell what will happen because there is a few different players that are named in the extended squad like Connor Tracy, Adam Dewey, um, Tom Amoni, um, and Corey Allen as another back as well. So you want to be careful that Wayne Bennett, I guess, doesn't um, play silly buggers right before kickoff and change the lineup. Yeah, um, especially if you don't have a backup hooker. I'm going to take a punt and get rid of Cook because of, uh, he only scored 28 on his game after last origin and 55 in the last one has a break even of 177. So even if he plays full 80 and does, does well and scores 80, 90 points, he's still going to drop sort of um, 50K, doesn't play next week, and then we'll have to back up again. It's only a four-day turnaround to away versus the Tigers. So I'm going to I'm gonna take the, um, the, the, uh, the cash and Mr. Smith this week. I'm going to burn a trade there. It's a shame that Mr. Burns is coming back a week early. How bloody annoying is that? Oh, I know. I mean, he, he could be... If he has the form that he showed in that first you know month of the season, he could actually be a really good pod for the run home in centre wing. Yeah. So he, he's... um Just to go on that question from one of the viewers before, like what's the difference between head-to-head and overall? Uh, an overall person will not be buying Burns this week because it's a valuable number, which you absolutely need to not waste on someone who won't play next week. Whereas a head-to-head player might see his break even at 30 and go, you know what, I'm just going to get him in this week because I don't give a shit about the extra number next week as long as I can cover my uh, 
my opponent next week, which I probably can. I'm going to get the guy now before he raises raises in price, and I get to play him this week. So that's the difference in thinking between head-to-head bayroll players. Yep, yep. Uh, Ryan Madison on Market Watch is a number one trading player at the moment, 5.7%. Um, that makes complete sense, especially for this matchup, though. Um, now, Billy, this is obviously the first game of the round, so C's are going to be out, but is there anyone that you'd look at potentially VCing in this one? Uh, no, for me. Uh, unless you want to go balls out on Madison, but I, I wouldn't. I would. I really wouldn't waste it. Yeah, I mean, if if that bench stays the same and Cook plays, um, the Tigers, you know, are coming off a pounding their last game. I wouldn't be that adverse to going a, a VC on Cook potentially, um, even though he's played Origin. If he's got no one that's really going to fill in for him, playing against the Tigers, um, a lot of people are going to lay off Cook for sure. Um, certainly no one's going to be seeing him uh, that might be a, a, a bit of a value VC option because most of the time everyone's all over Cook yeah it's a good point he's played 13 games and 4 out of his 13 games were actually VC loopable 124, 146, 109 and 115 yeah not the worst other guy that I'd have a look at in this one um, I'm probably going to have to sell Cody Walker this week but I tell you what I really, really wanted to hold him for this matchup versus the Tigers because the Tigers have the sort of form and team at the moment where the Rabbitohs are going to be desperate for this win. Cody Walker could absolutely carve up. This could be one of his carve-up games, and I'm pretty scared about it as well. I don't know, mate. Um, the Tigers are that team who just shut everyone down. And it's not at Souths. Um, Burgess, Burgess isn't there. Uh, Murray's... Murray only played sort of 30 minutes in Origin, but he, he still is backing up from Origin. Cook's backing up from Cook's backing up from, from Origin too. I just don't think I have the same go forward as they would otherwise need for for him to really dominate. So I I would actually sell it for you. Yeah, I'm going to have to because he's he he's got too bigger um, break even at the moment. I should apologise to. Tigers fans, I said that they got smashed last round, but it was actually the round before versus the Raiders that they lost 28-0, which was at Bankwest Stadium as well. Uh, last round, they went 27-26 winners over the Cowboys. So You're yeah. probably thinking of Queensland. You're probably thinking of Queensland. Mate. Yeah, probably, mate. It's, you know, it's hard to tell with all these 30-point losses that these teams are copying at the moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Show us your loyalty. <laughs> So, who do you reckon is going to come out on top in this one, Billy? I'm all over the rabbits. I reckon that they're going to be 16-plus winners. No, nah, I've got Tigers in this one. Oh, I really like the return of um, both Braden Burns and also Adam Reynolds in particular. So, I reckon they're going to go well. But, uh, you know, could be a tight game. A lot of super coach relevant guys in it, so it's going to be an interesting one. Um, let's move on to the Dragons vs. Cowboys, the first Friday night game. This one... We've got a lot of changes. So Josh McGuire has been suspended and Kurt Baptiste um, has done his ACL, which is pretty sad. Um, you wouldn't have seen it, Billy, but during that Papua New Guinea game, he just went to step at the defensive line and his knee just gave way on him. So that's that's two losses from Rep Brown for, um, for the Cows. Yeah. Yeah. Cohen Hess did his knee as well. Uh, that looked like a medial one, though, and he's out as well. Um, so the Cows are... Uh, pretty depleted. Um, they've got some rookies coming in as well with Shane Wright starting in the back row. Scott Drinkwater comes straight into the number one jersey um, and Michael, Morda, uh, Michael Morgan returns to 5'8". 
There was some talk that Michael Morgan um, might be out. He's got a shoulder injury. Most of the mail I've seen has said that he's not going to play. Um, whereas the Dragons have got Lafay returning. Um, and we've also got Ben Hunt, Frizzell, Vaughan and Sims all named. But Frizzell's in quite a bit of doubt probably as well. So, mate, a lot of changes this round. The Cows look like they are probably more susceptible to getting smacked by the Dragons at Wind Stadium than what they would have been the rest of the year with all these injuries that they've got. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think there's a couple of really good guys to watch for this match, but um, yeah, try to pick any more interest out of it. It's probably a bit of a tough one. There's absolutely no one being traded in from these two teams at the moment, um, which kind of makes sense, I guess. I'm I'm probably not too excited on watching too many of these guys. Probably what I would say is for the draft enthusiasts, um, Drinkwater's a massive in. Um, if He's probably been scooped up in most competitive leagues already, but starting number one. Um, Michael Morgan as well is the other big watch on this one. He's probably not going to play. And a Morgan to SJ early trade, which was asked about in some of our questions online, makes a heap of sense. But I do think the Dragons are going to come up really good victors at, um, at Wynn Stadium, mate. I think they're going to win by 16+. Plus. And I picked up Lafay in draft today, so I'll look forward to watching Lafay at least in this one. <laughs> Lucy gives us something to watch in these sorts of games. And, uh <laughs> makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a Saturday game, so the, the Dragons... Uh, sorry, it's a Friday game, so the, the Dragons' origin guys could be a little bit quiet. Um, as complete pod VCs, I'm eyeing off both Corey Norman and Ben Hunt if I own them. I, I do think that the Dragons will do well at Wynn Stadium versus Cows, and Norman and Hunt, one of those two will, will be the benefiters of that, I reckon. Yeah, I'm struggling to pick any um, any any real value there. I think if anyone's going to go well, I think you're right there. Uh, the, the, only one, the only one I will add, you and Aitken's got a lowish sort of break-even. Um, he, if you're really looking for a, a mid-price and a set of three quarters to get you over the line for Origin, he's probably not the worst shout. I don't think he's the worst. Aitken had a decent score last game, but he did score a try. So um, Aitken's probably a last-minute cash-out if you're looking someone around that price, that price range. But um, other than that, I wouldn't... I wouldn't give any, anyone else a shout this week. Um, blokes like um, Jake, Jake and Post can, or, or Laurie or McInnes can, can, can wait if you were going to go down a, a route like that. Just on Aiken, he's you know 10k less than what Joey Manu is, and he's got um, while starting. It's amazing his consistency. The last three weeks that he's been starting centre again, he's scored 41, 41, and 41 in base. So if you want a good floor centre wing, that's a genuine centre wing. Aiken's stats have been good, um, and I think that now that Lafay's back and Aiken's still in his centre spot, even though Lomax could be coming back, he could easily take a wing spot um, from what we've seen rather than a centre spot if, if Aiken's playing well. So I actually quite like him. Um, I think that I might even edge him towards a trading in front of a Manu if you wanted to downgrade. Yeah, yeah, purely because of the base you mentioned. Next three are at home as well, um, and he's going to obviously play round 16. So I am pretty interested to watch him this week. I may end up um, doing a last-minute downgrade to him as well. So good pick up there, Billy. Let's move on to the Roosters' Storm, the second Friday night game. Uh, now, Tedesco's been named to back up from Origin, which is a fantastic relief. Um, Manu switches back to centre with Orbo back to the bench. Um, Brett Morris is in the um, extended squad, so he could come in for Hall. Um, and Kiri is actually going to be back next round. So 
on the Storm front, we've got absolutely no changes. All Origin players are playing again. Um, and we've also got um, new recruits, which we were asked about as well for the podcast. Carter and Max King both aren't in the squad, so there's no way they're going to play this round. Expect both of them to come into contention for next round. Big takeaway for this one on the Roosters side of things, Billy. Um, Luke Keery coming back next week, not this week. Might give a bit of false hope to people that were looking at downgrading to Drew Hutchison as someone who might play round 16 and then go away. It looks like that he's probably not going to get to round 16 at the moment. Yeah, I don't think many people many people would have him in their team right now anyway. So, so yeah, free shot at the stumps. Um, I think a fair few were trading him in, though. There was, there's been quite a few that are talking about a Cleary downgrade to Hutchison as enough option oh, or, or oh, stuff really? like that. Yeah, no, I didn't know it. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Just looking at that team, um, how, how long do you think Ryan Hall has left before um, um, Morris comes back? He, he, Morris was named at 21, so surely he'd be a late inclusion this week. He probably will be. Apparently they're battling for that wing spot, so you know it could be that Hall keeps it from him, but oh, I think Morris will come back in. If not this week, then yeah. next week. Um, I reckon Morris will come in. I was just going to say, I, I liked Hall's base. I, I did a, a little rap with our Facebook thing about a week ago. He seems to be showing up about forty-one. Sorry, thirty-nine or forty-one, just in uh, in in uh, hit-ups, no tries, no line breaks, no nothing, and that right-hand side seems to get a try once every two point five games. So he's due. Um, if he was actually going to stick around in the team, I'd be inclined at his price to get a bloke like that. But anything stuck me is a bloke like Brett Morris. I would actually really prefer to get um, Ryan Hall over Joseph Manu, um, given the price and that right edge potential with the that higher base, but um, yeah, there's too many ifs and buts there for, for, for that edge for me. It's too tough to pick what's going to happen as far as Ryan Hall goes. Um, the Roosters won yeah. the last game between these two. It's actually been played at Adelaide Oval, so neutral ground for them. Uh, uh, right a, a bit of an interesting question for you. Uh, obviously, you know, guys like Teddy and so forth are all, are all great plays. Probably Teddy's a must-play regardless, but if you owned anybody else in this Roosters or Storm side, would you consider benching them for this? Uh, Monster, I would. The string of 40s versus uh, ordinary teams, yet alone uh, the best team in the comp, apart from the Storm, away from home. I wouldn't be touching him. Awesome what Storm about Luttrell and Cameron Smith? They're the other two highly I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be playing Luttrell this week. It's versus the Storm, for starters, and it's um, you don't know where his headspace is. Although he did well versus the Storm last time, I wouldn't be risking it. I'd, I'd stay stay clear from him at the moment. I would I would play Tedesco. Angus, I wouldn't buy him or play him this week. Only other thing to mention with this one, um, Cam Smith is the um, in the top 10 most traded in. Quite a few are trading him in a few percent. Um, that makes complete sense. He's 580k. Probably the only thing I'd say with that Billy on market watch is that you could afford to wait until next week. He's got a 70-odd VE. And I expect probably a lower score versus the Roosters. Yeah, the only thing is, he, versus the Roosters, you probably get a lot more tackles. Um, um, yeah, a lot, lot more of that play up the middle. I just think, given that it was off, off the back of origin, um, I, I, I reckon he probably just takes the game a bit, a bit more... In, a bit more into his own hands, and if he gets close to that line, there's a couple more sort of force dropouts, or maybe, maybe, maybe a, a short kick for a fullback flying through. Um, I, I just think he goes a little bit, a little bit better than his usual sort of uh, 50, 55 score this week, old Cammy. Any VC or C options that you consider for this? I guess it's really only Tedesco that we're talking about, and he could actually be a bit of a pod VC because just about everyone will stay, stay clear of him as well. 
Oh yeah, but he wouldn't go. He wouldn't go large enough to loop, so I wouldn't bother with him. What's your prediction for the game, mate? Roosters or Storm? Uh, I'll go with your lads. Uh, not by much, though. It, it is the Storm. Yeah, I think that will win as well. Of course, I've got to go for them. Uh, Titans versus Eagles is the next one. We've obviously got Jai Arrow out long term. Uh, Whitbread actually replaces him at lock. Um, no other real um, super coach news. Ash Taylor's out still, despite being able to return to training this week. And Peachy, if anyone does own him, is um, back on the bench again. Um, on the Seagulls side of things, Coruscant's out until around 18 to 19. So anyone who had Farnu, he becomes quite a good pot option that doesn't play around 16. So a lot of people aren't going to jump on, but he's going to make a, probably a lot of cash the next few weeks. Uh, all the Origin players are playing, and probably there's only one name to talk about in this matchup, Billy, and that is Tommy Turbo. He was in scintillating form again during that Origin game. And, jeez, he looks like an easy C option for those that own him. Oh, mate, I think every man his dog will be doing that. I guess the good thing with that is, though, that he's not hugely, hugely owned. Um, he's the second most trading player at the moment with 5.2% of teams bringing in Tommy Turbo. But he's only in 11% of teams at the moment. So you're going to get a captaincy on Tommy Trevojevic that is going to have sub-20% ownership, which doesn't normally happen. Yeah, I know, um, and and for that reason, it's probably one of the reasons why you have to do it. You just either pull the trigger early sometimes, and with with the potential score he's going to throw up, I don't think we can really say anything that no one doesn't know yet. So it's going to be uh, one of those things. Um, what why you sacrifice to get him in? Uh, I really like the um, the Seagulls in this one. Um, sports bet bet of the week dollar sixty two. I think that the Seagulls were. I reckon that that's easy money, and. Tommy Turbo, I'm going to make the big call of 100-plus again in this one. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm not even going to bother with the VC this week, just straight out C. Probably the only other guy I'll mention is Marty Tapao's been doing a hell of a lot better lately than what his early season form was. Um, and he's actually in the top 10 of trading players as well, funnily enough. I wasn't um, that confident in Tapao before, but I tell you what, he has been beasting it of late. Um, 84, 76, 54, 63, 68... That's a fantastic five-round average. Still very limited minutes. He played 59 minutes for that 84, but before that he was still only 48 and 47 points. He's looking really good as a front-row forward keeper, and I reckon against this Titans uh, forward pack that's a little bit depleted at the moment, especially in the middle with no arrow, uh, Marty Tapao could have a blinder as well against the Titans. Yeah, I really wanted to get Jerbo in this week, um, purely because I think with his brother back and consistently scoring between you know sort of 58 and sort of 69 points just being on the park um, I think some of those uh, LBAs and try assists start coming back pretty soon so I wanted to be on that bandwagon but uh, yeah I, I think I'll take the punt and wait till he uh, wait till he's available post origin but um, yeah if, for, if you're a head to head bloke uh, and you're getting in Tommy Turbo I'd be closely looking at his brother as well yeah, at the moment you've got Will Matthews and Cartwright defending on the edges and you've got no um, arrow in the middle. So I'll tell you what, there's forward points on offer and the, the Titans do give up forward points, so that looks pretty juicy. Let's move on to the Knights versus Broncos. Um, this one's our first Saturday game at 5.30. Caelan Ponga had a cork knee and a lot of people got worried about him, but whilst he's got a previous fitness, he looks likely to play. Everybody else has been named for the Knights. Um, We've got Matautia coming in to the starting back row as well. 
there's uh, Aiden Guerra is um, coming back as well from his injury too, so it'd be interesting to see how they do that forward rotation. For the Broncos side though, um, Payne Huss returns, which is a welcome return for a lot of super coaches. Hopefully he doesn't make that origin side and he plays round 16 as well. It's going to be a big bonus. Joe O comes back, um, and aside from that, nothing of real note for the super coach relevant players. Interesting one here, Billy. I can't really get a read on some of the Knights' form and some of the Broncos' form. I'm not too sure what to make of this matchup. Yeah, I think Brisbane will be desperate um, desperate for a win. Um, blokes that didn't play uh, Origin like uh, uh, Lodge and Haas and, and, Lodge and, Haas and TPJ, they'll be, they'll, they'll be active to provide some of the momentum. Um, Norfolk obviously did play Origin, so... He'll be he'll be he'll be he'll be sitting out the back um, trying to do something. Um, I think uh, still going back to Knights, but uh, Knights at, Knights at home with with a really good spine. I think um, the one that's going to fire off here is going to be Con- Connor Watson. I'm just spewing. I haven't got a spot to put him in because I really don't want to sell Teddy or any of my five eight. So I'm pretty much fucked there. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Um, Mate, what, what, what's, Watson's base um, with, with his with his tackle count and his, him being back in a running position, something that he should have been doing at fullback. The piece of shit it cost me fifty bucks that now, and, um, <laughs> and that was fifty yeah. bucks to me as well. I think. Yeah, it is. For those of you that don't know, I made a bit with Barnes. You know, Watson will average uh, seventy five at fullback this year, but um, yeah, and he got three games at fullback, and now all of a sudden he's at hooker. He's averaging seventy, well, well over seventy. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happen, happens with him, him for the rest of the year. But, um, um, yeah, mate, I, if I had a spot free, I would absolutely be getting Watson. Yeah, he'll be a good number for around 16 as well. Um, I should note as well that Dave Clemmer's in the extended squad, so anybody that actually held Clemmer or has him, he's um, meant to be likely to come into the side as well, into the 17. Probably the other guy that I'll mention is one of your other love childs, Billy, Tavita Pangai Jr., I think he had seven offloads in that rep game on the weekend representing, um, and he played the full 80 minutes. He looks like he's rounding back into form. I really like him as a buy this week, and I think that he could really take it to the Knights pack. I'm going to go against you on this one. I, I'm been hard for ages, but I just don't think he gets enough minutes, mate. All his games listed at lock this year, so there's seven of them. He's only averaging 54 minutes for 54 points. Doesn't seem to ever go bigger. And there's too many small scores here. There's a 57, 51, 42, 80, 33, 53, and 64. Th- th- those, are, those are his scores. There's just, he, I think he really needs 55 and 60 minutes con- uh, con- consistently, but he just doesn't get it. And he's not the type of bloke that you want to play every game for the rest, for the rest of the year. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on him, mate. I just don't, I just don't want to spend that kind of, kind of cash, not, not, not to get a guarantee of 55 points. The reason I like him is I'm not really looking at um, the early season stuff because I think that he wasn't playing that well and it was very up and down. At the moment, he looks like he's turned a corner and normally with TPJ, I reckon you can tell from his um, from his offloads. He had seven offloads in his rep game on the weekend and the, the two club games before that, he had three and two offloads from those as well and he's been looking at offloading a lot more. That's kind of what I want to see. That's why I'm confident that he's going to put up better form than what he did um, before that, and the last two games that he's played in 13 and 14 rounds, he played 52 and 56 minutes. Um, so it, it is a, a bit of a punt. Like he might, he he might go back to what he was doing, 
Um, but if he's getting minutes, you know, in the 50s, between 52 and 56 minutes, I'm pretty happy with him. Um, so I'm, I'm taking the punt and saying that for 450k, he's going to be playing minutes in the 50s. We're not going to get the 40s minutes that we were getting before that. And we're going to get some better scores from his offloading. So that's kind of why I'm a bit keen. And I reckon that he's the sort of player that brings his form um, across into this game from rep round. And he, he starts offloading a lot more. Yeah, also, you do you reckon the um, the Broncos rotation does um, next by when pretty much everyone's away? Well, that's the other thing as well with him. I reckon that he's going to play bigger minutes in that buy round. Um, I don't see any way that they can shy away from giving him minutes, you know, at least 60 plus at a minimum. But you might even get lucky. Maybe they'll just throw him out there for 80 because they might be that depleted. Well, when he started the year, he was playing big minutes. He started with 49, 45, but then he inflated to... Um, 70 and 67 minutes before he got uh, um, injured and, and, and went off. Yeah, that's why I'm um, confident about his minutes going back up because I, I reckon that they were building him up for the minutes because he had the hamstring problems in the preseason again. And I think that round three game when he got his 70, that was because they were confident and he got 70 and 67 minutes and then he was meant to roll with minutes in the 60s, I reckon. But then he obviously hurt himself again and they had to bring him on along slow. So I'm pretty confident in he's going to get 50s at least for minutes now. I suppose the uh, the games where he's been it's really low. The first couple of games for the year and the first the first three when he came back from injury, so he's building up back back to the mid mid fifties. So you can look if I go in here and only count the games where he's got um, mid fifties uh, minutes after he's had a so not counting the first one or two games after his injury comeback. Look, it's a fifty six average from six from fifty nine minutes. So. Not that impressive, but it's not the worst. Yeah, and he's um he hasn't had a heap of attack this year yet either. So you know it, it's a bit of a risk, but he is only eleven percent owned. So I think he's one of those risks that could pay off if he has a good second half of the season. He's still playing for a contract. He's still unsigned. That's the other thing as well. Yep. So Oregon he rips in this week. Any other guys that you're looking forward to watching in this one, mate? Looking forward to seeing Milf drown again. All right, Milf's going for a ton this week. Come on, can't have that no, negativity. I warned you about him, mate. <laughs> you, you made your bed, you lie in it. Uh, he's fine, mate. He's my reserve five mate. I might even play him and Ponga this week. Um, VC <laughs> and C options. Um, I tell you what, if you weren't if you weren't a turbo owner, I would be tempted to just put it on Ponga provided he was healthy. Because again, you're going to get a lot of coaches lay off Ponga with the C this week just because of the injury scare. If I had to pick a, a captaincy option in this game, it would be Ponga. But if I had to pick the next best from each team, it would dead set be Watson or Haas. I knew you were going to go, go Watson over Watson. Haas. I reckon this is going to be a two-point game either way. I can't pick it. So. Yeah, no, I'll go hard, hard on for Watson, mate. <laughs> we'll move on from the hard on then. Next game, we've got the Eels versus the Raiders. We've got Dylan Brown returning. He's got a negative BE. A lot of people have been holding him just because you couldn't really get him out to anyone. Pretty much got the same Eels side. For the Canberra side... We've got Josh Hodgson returning, which is a big in for them. Um, it means Havili drops to the bench and becomes an immediate sell for anyone still with him. Kotrick's still out. Um, Horsburgh returns to the bench. CNK has been named despite a hamstring injury. Um, and Whiten and Papali are both in from origin. So, interesting here, Billy. CNK looked like a, a centre-wing keeper a month ago. And all of a sudden, everyone's selling him. He's got a pretty big BE as well. And he's been scoring a lot of 30 
even 20-point games in the last month. Do you think he turns it around, especially against the Eels this week, or you reckon you just cut him now and forget about him? Uh, look, historically, um, outside backs and fullbacks have scored very, very well versus the Eels, but I think this year it's just turned around a little bit. They don't leak as much as what they used to. Um, it's at the Eels. Uh, uh, oh, no, it's at the TIO Stadium. Eels are listed as the home game, but TIO, is that Canberra? Yeah, oh, so, okay. yeah, so this one's in Darwin, mate. All right, so it's on a dry track. Um, it's not at the Eels' home ground, and the Raiders are the bit, one of the better defensive teams in the comp, so I'd be shit scared about playing someone like Gutherson and Sivo this week if I own them. Um, same with uh, Moses. Come to think of it, the only person I'm comfortable playing in that team would be Manu Mao or Nathan Brown if I owned them. Even Brownie would be a stretch. So I don't think I would want to play anyone in this game apart from Bateman and Manu Mao, mate. Yeah, that's a fair call. I'm going to disagree on a couple little ones, though. Um, I think that the Eels are going to give up some points in this one for sure. Um, so as a Jared Croker owner, I'm definitely going to be playing him. Um, I reckon he's going to kick some goals and they're going to put some points on the board. Um, he's probably the only other one really to talk about with the Raiders. On the Eels side of things, you mentioned Nathan Brown, though. Um, and again, if you're a head-to-head player, Nathan Brown's been making no noise, but just quietly, I reckon he should be on the radar. He, his first game back, he had 44 minutes for 51 points. And then his second game back last round against the Broncos, he had 59 minutes, building him up again. And he scored 62 points in those 59 minutes. He should be on everyone's watch list for a head-to-head pot option, I reckon, for the run home. Yeah, the only thing with Brownie, though, is like he'll, he looks great in that he'll give you, you know, 63 points in base off 60 minutes. And you think, oh, yeah, awesome. The 63 base... If he gets any clutches, it's just going to average 75. But the problem is he never gets any freaking clutch. He just doesn't have that short ball that he, that he used to have. He just seems to get injured before he actually gets any sort of clutch into his game. So he's as sold as hell. He's as, uh, as sold as you come in regards to um, you know, uh, a guy that you want to sort of give you a, a decent staple 62-63 score every week. But there's not really much cream on top or, or cherries, to, cherries to throw around with a Sunday, mate. Four head-to-head players, I actually see him as a decent pod replacement for a Jai Arrow. Um, I think he's going to give you a lot of what Arrow gave you as far as work rate goes. Well, put it this way, what other options are there? If you had to list your, uh, your, your top four or five second rowers, how would, how would you list them? And that's the problem, because it, it was a position that looked really strong, and then all of a sudden it's fallen away quite significantly. So at the moment, you know, it's Gerbo, um, and then you've got a Lolo. whole... Gerbo and Lolo are up yep. top, obviously. Yeah, and after those guys, there's a whole string of guys. You can probably have half a dozen different guys that you can debate about. Um, I mean, Kickout's even someone that's gone on a run the last month that's been good, but that's not going to continue. You know, there's a lot of different options. Yeah, so it's probably a combination of, you know, Madison to power, those those sorts of blokes, or, or the dual guys up, up the front row. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. He's probably one of those sort of third or fourth or fifth string options you, you can have there. But, um um, probably one you can still wait on, I think. Oh, yeah, you put him on your watch list. Um, do you reckon your boys are going to get up in this one in Darwin, mate? We generally don't go that go that well versus the Raiders, um, whether it's down there or at home, mate. I just hope we bounce back and, and chuck in a good effort and, and stick stick in the eight. I honestly have zero, zero idea on the outcome, mate. I just would not back us to score any points versus that mob, and Raiders could score sort of 30 or two, so no idea. I reckon we're going to have a bit of a throwback game here. I know the Raiders' defence has been good, but I'm sensing a 28-24 type of game, and I reckon it could go either way. So 
I'm looking forward to watching that one. I'm not sure about my super coach options. I might wait and have a bit of a look before kickoff. Um, I think it's just going. I think it's just going to be scrappy as hell, mate. And um, maybe the Darwin heat um, hardens up uh, Croker a little bit. Yeah, and I do remember your um, your prop scoring against the Eels. So um, either pod head to head or or a draft option, Josh Papali to go over for a try. Yeah, true that. Warriors vs Penrith is the next one. This one's on the Sunday. Uh, Tohu Harris is out for six weeks, so he was a guy that was a potential if he came through his injuries um, for round 16 as a second-row forward guy. Thankfully, we know now and not next week that he is gone. Um, Lachlan Burr is out as well. So we've got Jazz Tavaga replacing Burr at Lock, who I know that you're pretty keen on, and I'll let you have a bit of a spiel on him shortly. Cleary's out for up to a month. Um, Maloney switches to halfback. Louis is promoted to 5'8". That's about it as far as the major Supercoach news for this one. So, sell us on Jazz Tavaga starting 13, Billy. Um, well, I originally forgot about Burr. <laughs> but the, um, with uh, two Harris being out for six weeks, Tavaga obviously going into lock. Had a look at his numbers. It's really messy. It's all over the shop. But he was getting, you know, seven minutes or 70 minutes to the bench. But um, he was averaging... Uh, I think he scored a, scored a few tries, but he was he was averaging fifty four points off forty two minutes or something like that, just in just in base. Um, but he was also averaging over sixty off 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 forty odd minutes. That was coming off the bench. So the fact that he's got a starting gig now, I was expecting really big things from him. And him being a second row hooker, Jewel, I was uh, very very excited to uh, get him in. The only caveat there is I've got no idea when Burr's coming back or what's going to happen to him. But even if Burr does come back, I think he's still a great option to have uh, uh, as another for the next for the next buyer, knowing that you're going to get sort of 50, 55 points. And if he goes back to the bench, he's not going to be an A nightmare. He's um, still going to punch up those decent scores just off getting 35, 40 minutes. So I'm going to pass on him this week, but I reckon he's probably one of my top sort of three or four options for next week, Luke. Yeah, as Luke Garrity mentioned in one of our groups, he's um, even if he goes to the bench, he's not going to be an AE nightmare. He's still probably going to give you 50 points. Um, and he's a guy that you can put in as a second hooker that you're not going to play and not be the worst yeah. guy to have to play for a week as well if you had to for 50 or something. Yeah, if, if I had to rate that Kiwi's forward back, um, as long as Tavag is starting, I would have him in front. Um, Parsi seems to pull his finger out of his ass lately and as well as be getting a few extra minutes. So... He's gone from small minutes to some you know, half decent size, sort of 45, 55 minutes, and punching out some scores there. Um, or uh, given that sort of um, what do you call it, uh, Harris is out, you know, for partly he's going to be um, guaranteed 80 minutes on, on the edge as well. So we were all over him preseason. Yeah, he hasn't exactly lived up to the to the hype so far, probably because he's been in and out of the team all, all season. But um, he he'd be he, he would be another half decent. Op- decent option for this for this weekend. I think Tavaga's a, a more talented player than what Burr is, and I think you can actually end up keeping that jumper. So I, I'm going to be watching yeah. with interest, but obviously not getting him, and I probably won't be able to, but uh, it might be a ballsy move for next week for someone. Um, now, the Panthers obviously don't have um, Cleary in, so I'm really not sure what way this is going to go, but the three guys that look interesting as far as high scorers go. RTS, Mamolo, and also Kickout has been on a tear, and I think that he might go in for another try this week. And they're the three exciting watches for me if I owned all those guys. 
Yeah, same. Uh, for the Warriors, yeah, RTS, Mamalo, and Tobago are the exciting ones. I'm also going to be watching Papali just, just to see what his work rate is and what his minutes like to, um, to make a better, better decision next week. Same with Parsi. Who's going to win on this one? Um, I think Warriors are going to hurt him. Um, but one one player I'm really excited about watching for the Panthers is that... Mate, I just love the numbers he's putting up without a try. 50, 51 points, just just making runs. Um, I won a Moneyball comp with him last week, just hoping that he would go over the line. And he eventually did his fourth game, or fifth game, whatever it is. He uh, went over the white stripe. He got that, got that line-breaking try and punched up a good 75 or 76, whatever it was. So he's um, yeah, he's, he's an exciting player, mate. Um SC was anyway, just uh, just for that base work rate that he's got. It's just a shame that the uh, um, really annoyed I can't get him in this week because I really would have liked to play him, but um, not with uh, the uh, limited spots available and him not playing for next week's bye, mate. Yeah, and you talk about um, center wings for the run home. He's a real smoky. If you ended up having him in as a cheaper, uh, as a cheapy cash cow, you could do a lot worse than just holding holding him in your side and playing him some of those games because. Aside from his debut game that you can write off as a debut and he was actually playing the other side of the field in Jersey 2, he went to Jersey 5 for his next four and threw out 54, 56, 50 and 78. A lot of that's due to his base, um, which is 35 points for the year, but if you take out his first game, uh, it's actually getting pretty close to a 40 base. Uh, He's just a real goer. He's putting up at least 50 points if you get rid of his debut in the last month of games. He could end up being better than some of the bigger, more fancy names pretty easily. Yeah, and he was chucking up two hundred meters a game. Yeah, he's a he's a real good runner of the ball, and he does a lot of a lot of good work. Um, probably the only thing is his strike rate rate with tries with Penrith has been down, but he's probably got a decent chance of that um, against the Warriors. If I owned him, I'd probably play him this week. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. That's what I really liked about him for for the money ball reasons too, like. With him chucking up 200 metres a week, you can bank, bank sort of 20 points off that and as well as half of the, half a dozen tackles. So you get sort of 28, 30 point money ball points with him just sort of taking a run on. And if you get to try, he's, he's um, yeah, Bob's your uncle. So um, look, any format of the game, I think, is a really good option. It's just unfortunate you can't buy him this week. Uh, the last game of the round is the Dogs versus the Sharks. So for the Dogs, Marshall King is out um, there's been conflicting reports as to whether he's out for the rest of the season with his knee or not. He's replaced by Lysha Hooker. Uh, Cogger returns at halfback, and Chris Smith is starting back row yet again. Somehow Chris Smith and Adam Elliott keep getting starting jobs back. Raymond Fatala-Mariner gets benched. Um, Dylan Napa is actually named to play, but he's got a broken wrist, so I reckon there might be a late change there. Jaden Oakenball, I don't think anyone's still got him, but if you do, he's, he's returning in New South Wales Cup this week and probably comes straight into the side next week. For the Sharkies, Fafita is gone, but he's replaced by young young Braden Hamlin Ueli, who's looked really good. Just take note that um, Aaron Woods is in Jersey 21. I, I reckon there's a decent chance he comes in, and if he does, they might even start him or he takes some of Braden's minutes away. Wade Graham's starting, which is great, um, and Kurt Capewell is benched. Sherry's been named despite a concussion um, last match where he got his seven points, so he should be good to go. Um, mate, this one, to me, has a Sharks ambush written all over it. I don't think the Sharks have been in that good a form. 
But I think that SJ is going to bring that form into this game. And I would be very happily playing guys like Matt Moylan and SJ against the Dogs this week. And I think that both could end up scoring pretty well, as long with Britain Nakora too. Yeah, I bought Moylan a couple of weeks ago. I was pretty excited with his run and thought he'd be a great scorer. But he's been doing sweet FA. So um doubling down on him and Johnson this week. Hopefully I'll do something. Because um, if I don't, then Jerry and uh, Nakora are going to be pretty shit ass. <laughs> it's going to be one for the Reaper. Yeah, I, I, I think Sharks uh, destroyed destroyed him this week. Um, pretty keen on, pretty keen on. Oh, I was, I was, but I wasn't. What was, but I wasn't. Um, I think uh, Blake Braley and Capewell on the bench and Fafita out is awesome news for Paul Gallen. Um, I think he's been at sort of starts increasing a little bit for the ne- next sort of three weeks. Um, how much so? I've got no idea. But it also doesn't take into in, into account that it's they're playing the last game of the weekend and Aaron Woods is, is number twenty one. So it could quite conceivably be um, that Aaron Woods comes in, Hamlin goes back to bed, or Hamlin will probably go to the bench, probably Hamlin, Hamlin, and then all of a sudden you got three bench forwards again and uh, Gallons. Uh, not a bust, but you know, there he goes his extra six or seven minutes. Gal's a really interesting one. I'm, I'm not going to say that you should be looking at buying him or anything, but the last three games he scored 54, 54, and 71 points, and his minutes have been 51, 52, and 66, which is pretty good. Um, at the start of the year, his minutes were awful. His first three games were, you know, 43, 35, 23 minutes, and he looked absolute shot. But even though he's got two. Um, Poor scores in his last eight matchups of a 40 and 44. Aside from those two games, the other six out of eight, he's scored at least 54 points and his minutes have been at least in the 50s at a minimum. So, um, and I haven't really looked at him at all until you mentioned it, um, I think, earlier today. But for 500k, he actually might be sneakily better than some of the other guys that people are buying. And he does play around 16. And if you're not going to be playing him and he's like your 20th man, He's not going to give you a poor AE score either for the run home. Yeah, 100%. That's why I mentioned him. Um, I was looking at him anyway, but as soon as the um, Bradley and Capel were named on, named on the bench, it just looked a whole, a whole lot better too. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty keen on getting him in at the moment, but um, it would be sort of a fourth or fifth trade. So just going to wait a bit closer to the weekend and make a decision as to whether I do it this week or his break-evens are not... Um, not the best, it's not the worst. So you can hold off and see how many minutes he gets this week too, which I might end up doing. He's likely to be in the high 400s next week for a purchase. Um, So that's pretty cheap if you wanted to take a punt. Only thing I would throw in there for you, Billy, with Aaron Woods back and Braden Ueli coming into form and then having Fafita back in a couple of weeks' time, um, those guys are all going to absolutely eight middle minutes when they're all back and they haven't really had all of those guys playing along with Gal in the middle most of the season. So, Yeah, but you only want him for the next three weeks and then he's done his job. So, Yeah, that's true. Because I'm low on trades, I was probably more looking. If, if I were to get him in, I'd have to hold him for the rest of the year. So whether that would be viable or not, um, maybe not with those middles coming back. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't think I'd be... Hot. Let me rephrase that. If I bought him, I don't think I'd be buying him and getting him in and then selling him. I would be having him on the bench and just not playing him again after that unless all of a sudden it looked like it was coming towards the end of the season and there was either A, another injury, or B, 
Gail looked like he was in form and started being that ball hog, knowing that it's his last season. He gave his coming up to the um, coming up to the finals and wanted to, incre- wanted to increase his minutes. Fair enough. He's in one percent of teams, so he's certainly a pod. Um, I probably I probably won't have the balls to do it, but geez, he, you know, could end up being all right. Um, Bronson Cherry's been traded out um, of three percent of teams, which puts him at number six on the traded out list. It's a bit of a tough one, Billy, because he's going to leak some cash, but he's also potentially going to put in a hat trick against the Dogs. Um, would you would you sell him for round sixteen, or would you be trying to hold him and play him and keep him for the run home because he is a centre that's putting up sixties that puts him in keeper territory? Oh, I would not be selling him at all. Uh, no way in hell. Um, he can he can just uh, he's he's one of those players who you can hold for the next buy round and just let him sit there and rot. Um, until such time as you want to play him as the fourth, seventh, three quarter, or third one. Yep, um, I, I tend to agree. But if you have to have him as a casualty for round sixteen, it does make sense as well. Sean Johnson's the fourth most traded in, and I'll be getting him in early this week for sure. I think this game smells like an eighty plus for SJ. It smells like an eighty plus for the entire Sharks team, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, one of the things with SJ is. He hasn't been going that great this year, but it's important to remember that his his numbers haven't been that bad, and he hasn't really done much to get them. Um, you know, so I, I don't think it takes much for him to to get a big super coach score these days, especially with the goal kicking. So I'm going to say the yeah, Sharkies by 18 points. Yeah, mate. The first few, the first two or three games, any half is always going to um, uh, try to gel with the rest of the team. You taught me that, and. Plus, you, you look at any any other half that could sort of change the teams. They they don't start scoring straight off the bat. Um, obviously, you need to get confidence in his hamstring first. That kind of happened. Um, he had had a couple of half decent scores, and then the injury happened. So, yeah, he's he's, he's going to come back and try and get a bit, bit more confidence in it. He's not going to you know, start you know sprinting off the mark sort of straight away. But I think I think after watching the highlights of uh, the international game on the weekend, it's probably it's probably safe to say, look. Uh, He's hammy. He's hammy. Seems all right. He's got some confidence. So, given that it's dogs early, I'm prepared to sort of uh, take a cash loss and take a punt on the points this week. Yeah, and for those that like to sort of follow numbers patterns, um, SK's only on a 47 average so far this year. Last year he was a 64, and before that at 72, 69, 71. So even if you take his lower average from from you know the last five years, it's a 64. It's yeah, an 18-point difference to what he's averaging at the moment. If you think that that's going to normalise and he's just got, and he's going to get to 60-point average for the season, that would mean that he's going to average basically 70-plus for the duration of the year. Now, I am one that normally believes in averages. I don't think he's going to get back up to 64, but I think that he is going to get back up to a 60 average, and that's probably going to mean he's going to be close to 70 points as an average for the run home, and that's why I sort of I reckon that he's a real good one to be getting in at the moment. Yeah, but the pod factor and the fact that he's one of the those rare blokes that can score 180 points in a game um, just worth it throughout the stumps, I think. All right, well, on that note, mate, that's the last one. Good luck this week. I hope your five trades work out. I take it that you're using every one of them. Hell yes. Churn and burn, mate. Churn and burn. All right, well, good luck. We'll chat to you next week, Billy. Thanks, brother. Good to be here, mate. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, you can tune in and download us or stream on both iTunes and also SoundCloud. Do follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Thanks for all the questions and the follows and stuff. It's been fantastic. Um, big shout out to Wenon on the 
Supercoach Talk podcast for giving us a yell uh, last week, I think it was. That's much appreciated. Uh, Good luck with your round this week, guys. Hopefully all your trades pan out. And as always, we'll be back next week.